us this morning. Um, if you want to grab a Bible, you can open up to, uh, you can grab a Bible and go to John 21 is where we're going to start this morning. Today, uh, while you're turning there and getting settled, uh, I want to thank um, everybody, really. I mean, like, as we get into the new year, um, just thank you. Thank you for all of the people who make CF what it is, for all the people who serve for all the people who um, are here and part of this community, for our members, for our regular attendance, for all of the people who do so many things that this church uh, functions and happens because we are a community. We are a family, and it is a great blessing to be part of that with you. So thank you very much for caring and loving and serving this church um, in this last year and beyond, and, and I look forward to what uh, this new year has for us. Uh, today is one of my favorite days. Uh, it happens every so often, but today is New Bible, New Sermon Series Day, and uh, if you have started coming to CF in the last like five or six months, you don't know this, but in general, what we do is we take a book of the Bible and we just walk straight through it, line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We haven't done that uh, since like October, um, but in general, that's what we do. We take a book and just kind of walk through it, and we do that for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it helps us to observe and understand the totality of Scripture. And also, two, it keeps us from hiding from some of the parts of the Bible that are considered controversial or um, just uncomfortable. So if we take books of the Bible and just walk straight through them, we can't dodge some of the things that some people uh, don't like to talk about. And we still talk about it because it's in God's Word. So today we're going to start a study that, um, I'm going to be honest, we're going to be in it for a while. Like, you could just get real comfortable because we're going to be in this book for a long time. So we're going to begin studying the Gospel of John, uh, and it's going to take us some time. So um, I think I've told you this before, but uh, when I read novels, uh, I have this habit of uh, flipping to the back to the very end to read the last, like, sentence or paragraph or so. Um, sometimes, usually it's nothing. Usually it's just like wrapping up, right? Like, and they walked off into the sunset. Like, usually it's, there's no detail there. But every once in a while, you do get a little bit of a hint of what's coming. And I don't know when I started it. I don't know why I do it, but I just, I need to know. And so uh, I tend to do that. And so this morning, we're going to, as I said, we're starting a study in John. But instead of opening up right to John 1, we'll get there eventually. What I want you to do is go to John 21, which is the final chapter of the book. So, um, what we're going to do today is we're going to have a bit of an overview, uh, and then we're going to dive in and study uh, the Gospel of John. So I'm excited, and uh, I hope you are too. So please bow your heads and pray with me, and then we'll, uh, we'll get to work. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for opportunities to gather and to celebrate and to worship you and enjoy you and hear from you honor you and pray to you and enjoy the fellowship you have provided for us, that you have given us, that you have created. God, as we open your word this morning, as we step into a study in John, Lord, you have reasons, you have plans, you have words and instruction and challenges for us. You have things you want to do in the midst of this book. And um, so, God, I pray that as we study it, <clears throat> God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, um, minds to comprehend, hearts to believe, and hands and feet to respond to what you call us to. God, as we open your word, as we worship, as we are here in this place, we are here 
because we want to experience you. We want to engage with you. So God, help us in this time that we have to be here, be present mentally, be present and be part of what you are doing. To listen and to respond to what you are doing in our hearts. Lord, as I preach, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. So whenever we start a new book of the Bible, I always like to give you kind of an idea as to why. Um, So why John? Uh, And it's much more than, you know, I don't just take all the books of the Bible, put them on a wall and throw it down. And I'm like, all right, we're on John. That's where we're going to be. There is some plot and process to it. And so reason number one, I want us to study the book of John. And it's the same reason every time we start a new study, and I say it every time and we're going to say it again, is that it's in the Bible. And so that seems obvious, but it needs to be stated, right? Second Timothy 3, Paul tells Timothy, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the people of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is the living, breathing, active word of the holy creator of all of existence. We should not neglect it or ignore it. Or, you know, just read it whenever I got time, maybe. Being engaged in Scripture should be our priority. But too often we decide other voices get to be louder in our head. We make these decisions and we decide what we want to hear, what we want to take in, and what we want to influence on. Right? Church is an hour, hour and a half-ish once a week. If you think about all of the hours every week, how many hours... Do you have the news on in your house? How many hours of time, how much hours of time is dedicated to podcasts and music? How much of your week is given to Netflix and Hulu or just scrolling social media? These things are not bad in and of themselves, but you've got to realize that everything in our world has an agenda. Everything is trying to teach, trying to train, trying to convince, trying to take up residency in your head and your heart. And so if the only time during the week that you are cracking open your Bible is when I come up here and say, hey, let's open up our Bibles, then by just sheer time alone, you are being discipled by the world to a much larger degree than the faith you claim to have. We are not going to wake up one day and by hope and luck be a mature Christian. Just because you have gray hair on your head doesn't mean that you have maturity. Just because you've been a Christian for a long time doesn't mean you're eating at the grown-up table. It takes intentionality. It takes effort. It takes daily choosing to pursue God. All of the Bible is for all of us, and it is all good, and it is all to be studied. And so that's why we study the Bible. That's why every Sunday, regardless of if I'm here or somebody else is preaching, we are going to preach and we're going to be in God's Word because it's important and it's good for us. Reason number two for why I want us to study John, we're going to get to in a second. Because, but first I want to talk a little bit about who John was and the time and some of the details leading into the book because it kind of influences why I want us to study this. So let's talk about who is John, the writer of this gospel. Technically, we don't actually know. The author never names himself. Though he does give us a few things that if we connect some dots, he does, I think, provide some hints at his potential identity. So I had you go to John 21. Uh, We're going to start in verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. 
the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, and he has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So spoiler alert, we get to the end of John, Jesus dies. Bummer. Good news, he comes back from the dead three days later, never to die again, defeating sin, death, hell, and the grave. After all of that happens, Jesus and 11 of his disciples share a meal on a beach together. He cooks them breakfast. It's pretty awesome. It's a really good. He has this cool conversation with Peter. When we get there in like a year and a half, it's going to be awesome. After all of that happens, Peter and Jesus are talking, and Peter points and says about the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he's referred to. He says, what about him? That title for this person shows up five times in this book. In chapter 13 at the Last Supper, in chapter 19 when Jesus is on the cross, in chapter 20, this person races Peter to the tomb. So we have two instances where we know that whoever this other disciple is, it's not Peter. Because he raced Peter to the tomb and Peter's talking about him. And then twice in chapter 21, first he recognizes Jesus from afar while they're on a boat. And then right here at the end of 21. So in the verse I read, it says, The disciple whom Jesus loved and the author of this gospel are one and the same. They're the same person. Now there are all kinds of different theories and beliefs on who this is. What we know is that this person, whoever wrote this, is an eyewitness to the events recorded. And they were around a lot. Specifically, they're at the Last Supper, which the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us that the only other people at the Last Supper are Jesus and the 12 disciples. So we know whoever authored this book is one of the 12. The most commonly accepted belief, and the one I hold to, is that the John who penned this, penned this Gospel is the John, the son of Zebedee brother of James. He is one of the 12 disciples. He is part of Jesus's, what they call the inner three. You have Peter, James, and John, James and John being brothers. The three of them are with Jesus for some of the more uh, intimate moments and are part of some things that the rest of the disciples don't see. They're part of the transfiguration. They're when Jesus raises the little girl from the dead. They're part of some other events that the other disciples don't see. And so I believe this is John, uh, the son of Zebedee. He also authors the, the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. There's other historical evidences that point this way. There's some people who knew some people who say, yeah, I know that it was John. I'm friends with his friend. He told me it was John. Literally, that's how that got word of mouth uh, throughout history. Um, ultimately, though, whether or not you hold that it's John, son of Zebedee, or a different John, what we know, what matters is that it is someone close to Jesus. And we are getting, as we study this book, as we study this gospel, we are getting eyewitness accounts of what happened. And that's important to know, partially because of the dating of the gospel. John's gospel is the last of the four to be written, usually believed to be written somewhere between 75 and 85 A.D., could even be into 90 A.D. 
Again, up for debate and discussion. We can talk about that later. But it's very pretty much widely agreed John is the last of the four to be written. And I say that because if you read the other three Gospels, if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see a lot of similarities between them. They're known as the Synoptic Gospels. They cover a lot of the same material. They have a lot of the same quotes, a lot of the same events in them. They all kind of influence each other a little bit in a variety of different ways. But then you get John's Gospel. And it's very different than much of the other three. In style and in content, there are things in John's Gospel that don't appear in the other Gospels. There are things in the other Gospels that don't appear in John's. The late dating of the book of John, I think, makes sense when we understand the reason for why this book is written. Because John has a very different idea as to why he's writing his Gospel, and he does so later on. So I had you in John 21. Go up to John 20, if you have your Bible in front of you. Go to John 20, in verse 30. John 20, verse 30, says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Verse 31 is a verse we are going to come back to continuously over the next however long it takes us to study John. You're going to know that verse backwards and forwards because I'm going to recite it and repeat it over and over and over again. It is the big idea. It is the main point. It is the thesis statement of this gospel. John is writing so that the reader, whoever that may be, would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing that truth, the reader would inherit eternal life, would be saved. See, each gospel has a different theme and a different audience it is aiming at. Matthew communicates that Jesus is the King of the Jews. Mark talks about Jesus as the suffering servant. Luke is a, focuses on Jesus as the Savior of all people. And then we have John, written so that you may believe, evangelistic in nature, with a focus on Jesus is God. Everything comes back. Everything we are going to study as we walk through this gospel comes back to the idea that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the set-apart one, and he is the Son of God. This theme even shapes the way that this book is laid out. John writes his gospel in sections, all sort of tied together, all pointing towards Jesus' divinity. They all use different stories. He has different stories and different interactions, all building upon themselves to point us back to the main idea that Jesus is the Son of God. The book opens by Jesus, uh, by taking us not to Jerusalem. John's gospel doesn't start with Mary and Joseph, doesn't start with the manger. He goes way back. He doesn't even go to the genealogy like Matthew. He goes all the way back to the beginning. John's gospel opens with, in the beginning, Jesus was there when the beginning began. Then there's a large section of John's gospel, about eight or nine chapters, focusing on Jesus performing signs and miracles, each one forcing the reader to make a decision about who he is as Jesus challenges different religious concepts and beliefs. This leads to Jesus raising someone from the dead, and that makes the religious leaders really mad, and they want him dead. And then the second half of the book focuses basically on Jesus' final hours, death, and resurrection. Throughout this book, we're going to see a lot of patterns forming. Like I said, John forms his book so that everything kind of builds upon itself. We're going to see a lot of patterns emerge, specifically around groups of seven. 
In the opening chapter, we have seven statements about who Jesus is. We have seven signs that happen, seven I am declarations. It's all part of tying things together. I'm going to point them out as we go through them, and they're going to kind of be uh, little mini-sermon series in amongst themselves to kind of help us focus on what it is John is trying to communicate. But all of it comes back to John chapter 20, verse 31. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why I want to study this book. I want us to study this book so that if there is anyone who is on the fence about what they believe and who they believe Jesus to be, they would believe and have life in his name. And I want us to study this book because even for those who already believe, already know that Jesus is the Christ, already know that Jesus is the Son of God, I think by sitting in a book that reinforces over and over and over again this idea that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Son of God, it will strengthen and encourage and challenge us to live like we actually believe that way now. That as we live in a world that is broken and dark, as we are pressed, we remember we are not crushed. As we are perplexed, we remember we have no need for despair. That though we may even be persecuted, we are not abandoned. And though we may be get struck down, we are not destroyed because Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing that, we have life in his name. And so I think this study, this walkthrough of John, will help us to grow in our understanding and our faithfulness to living in light of the faith we have in Christ. And so I'm really excited. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, so if you want to flip on over, let's go to John 1, and we're going to get to work. starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's stop there. I told you we're going to be in this for a long time. In the beginning was the Word. The Word for Word is Logos. In the beginning, it's a clear connector back to Genesis 1, right? How does the book open? How does the Bible open? In the beginning, God. But here we see, in the beginning, the Word. In the Old Testament, the Word of God is associated with God's work of creation, of deliverance, of revelation. His work on earth in revealing himself to us happens through his Word. Often you'll read in the Old Testament, it'll say something like, especially dealing with the prophets, it'll say, the word of the Lord came to, the, came to me, or came to the prophet, and the prophet said. It's revealing God's self to the prophet, speaking a word of deliverance in the midst of oppression and suffering. God's word brings action, brings movement. It is an active, living thing. He calls us to respond to it. To talk about the word of God in the Old Testament is to talk about God revealing himself to creation and inviting his creation, us, to respond to what we have experienced. We fast forward to John's time, and when John is penning this gospel, and this concept of the Lagos goes beyond just the Jewish believers. The concept of the Lagos was known as by philosophers and Greeks and Stoics. They saw it as the secret sauce of the universe, the thing that brings order to the chaos. It 
make sense of the senseless. It is this distant, unconnected existence which fuels our existence. The logos, this breathless wonder. John is tapping into all of that. Yes, it is wisdom. It is power and authority. It also reveals the very nature of God. It is the one who created, holds, maintains this existence. But it is not a distant, separate, vague concept. It is a he, a personal revelation of God in Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. Right there with Elohim, right there with God in the beginning, before there was anything, there was the Word. He was there and was united to God, in close relational proximity to God, has a connection to God. The Word was not created, but just was, because the Word is eternal. Outside of time, He has always been. He has always been existing before the beginning. He has no beginning and He has no end. He will continue forever. He was, He is, He always will be. You and I are finite. We are limited. We have a limited scope, a limited understanding. When we talk about this idea of infinite, we can't fully grasp the idea of being outside of time like God is. The prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. The word was with God before the beginning began. He is God's eternal fellow, in eternal, perfect, deep relational unity with God. No beginning and no end. No creator, no relying on anyone or anything, perfectly self-sustained. And that can happen because, John says, the Word was God. See, these philosophers and pagans and deep thinkers, these sweet goatees, they just got close to missing it. Yes, the Lagos does bring order to the chaos. Yes, the Word does maintain everything. But the Word is not a distant, unidentifiable concept. It is a He and not an agent of God, but God Himself. The Word is God's own self revealed. Everything that can be said about God the Father can be said about the Word, in whom dwells all of the wisdom, glory, power, love, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth of God. In him, God the Father is known. We see in verse 3, the word was there in the beginning, but he didn't just exist, he was actively at work in the creation of all existence. Nothing was created without him. Actively and intimately involved in everything, he knows and created every nook and cranny of existence. So it makes sense then that life itself is found in the Word. And that's what he says in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of the, uh, the light of men. Life is Zoe, not just human biological life, though he is responsible for that. This word Zoe is the existence of life itself. The existence of existing is found in the Word. Not only is life found in him, but light. Holiness, security, revelation, deliverance, truth. These are the things I give when we talk about light in the Bible. These are the things that we're talking about. Walking in the dark versus walking in the light is a common theme throughout Scripture. In the dark, there is danger. The danger of the unknown. The danger of what potentially could happen. In the light, you can see and avoid and find safety. 
security, safety, light, life, existence is found in the Word who is eternal, who was with God in the beginning and is God himself. And that brings us to verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word is light, and darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot comprehend it, cannot take hold of it, cannot conquer it, cannot grab and declare it's mine. Darkness is not the conquering of light, it is the absence of light. As soon as light is introduced, darkness is pushed back. Darkness cannot conquer light, and the word is light. No matter how dark it may get, it does not mean that the light has been conquered or snuffed out. The light cannot be conquered by anyone or anything or ever at all. I'm getting ahead of myself into next week's sermon, but if you skip down to verse 14 of chapter 1, you see the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what we just wrapped up celebrating. Christmas. God entering into the word, the world. The word, this light, showed up. This word that was with God, that is God, that made all things, that has within him the very essence of light and life, he took on flesh and lived with us. Jesus is the Word who took on flesh and dwelt among us, Emmanuel, God with us, bringing with him grace and truth. He came to dispel the darkness, to defeat the darkness, and to shine brightly. We see that in Jesus' final days. He is crucified on Good Friday, and it says that a darkness falls over the land in the middle of the day, and it seemed like darkness had won. This Messiah, this set-apart one, this miracle worker, this one who is changing everything is now dead. And it seems like darkness, it seems like evil has won, but the darkness does not last forever because on that Sunday morning, Jesus was alive. The light shone brightly and expelled the darkness of sin and death that has plagued humanity. Jesus, the true light, the word, pushed back against the darkness and showed us that the light will not be conquered by darkness. Light and life are found in the Word, in Jesus. We experience that light by putting our faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus is the revelation of God in the flesh for us. I said before, to talk about the Word of God in the Old Testament, it is to talk about God revealing himself to his creation and inviting them to respond to what they have experienced. Then Jesus shows up, and all of a sudden, the fullness of God is revealed, not in just written word, but actually in a human person. But Jesus' arrival does not negate the word of God, it's because the word of God is still, to this day, revealing God to his creation. It continues to reveal him to us. And we now, we know that all of Scripture was revealing and pointing us to Jesus. He said it as much. In Luke 24, 27, Jesus has an impromptu Bible study with a few disciples, and it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Basically, Jesus sat down with a couple of disciples. They walked through the Old Testament, and he says, That one's about me. That one's about me. This is about me. This Remember when I did this? That was pointing to that. And he walks through and says, All of this has been pointing to me, because all of scripture points us back to God. He showed us what God is like in human form. Now, obviously, we didn't live when Jesus did. We missed the physical embodiment, but we still have God's word. 
God's word that reveals God to us and invites us to respond to what we know of him. And all of it, as we know, as we know more and more of God, and we more and more, we understand God's word, we find that, we understand that scripture itself finds its fulfillment, its fullness in and through Jesus and his life, death, burial, and resurrection. So the more we know of God's word, the more we know of God. The more we study and pursue God through his word, the more he reveals himself to us. This is why we spent the last year memorizing, and more than that, hopefully meditating on God's word every Sunday. All of 2023, before we got into the sermon, we did different memory verses where we recited them out loud together. It wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't just a clever thing to do to add to the length of the service. It was to help deliver and hopefully develop in us a hunger and an appreciation and a desire to be a people that have God's word flowing out of us. And in order for that to happen, we've got to put God's word into us. So for 53 Sundays, he spent time reading verses out loud together. I know it took you guys a while, but eventually you jumped on the bandwagon. You realized I was stubborn enough. I was going to make it happen. Even when we went outside, we did it. It was a communal pursuit of knowing God's word and hopefully then knowing God better. So as we begin a new study in John, as we consider the word reveals God to us, I thought it would be a great way to celebrate and reflect on our pursuit throughout 2023 by reading through all of the verses that we looked at in the last year. So here's what's going to happen. I got a group of volunteers. You guys know I've been asking for volunteers. I got a group of people who are going to come up, and each one of them is going to read four or five different verses. They're going to be on the screen as well. And I encourage you to pay attention and to prayerfully focus on God revealing himself to you through his word as each of them gets ready. All right, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have uh, Renee come up and kick us off. Um, you can follow along with your Bibles when you want. If you want, like I said, they're going to be on the screen. And I invite you to just sit and enjoy hearing and letting God's word do what it does and wash over us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. And I thank you that you are good and awesome and that you not only created all things, but you made it possible for us to engage with you. That you are the God who shows up to us. You made yourself available. You made yourself known. And one of the ways you did that is by giving us your word. God, as we study, as we read, as we hear your word, God, I pray that you continue to do what you have always done and reveal yourself to us through it. God, I thank you and praise you. Amen. Amen. You want to come on up? Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord 
with all their heart and did not know in their own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Ephesians 4, 31-34 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. John 3.16 is my one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. John 16.33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you still have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always preparing, always, always being prepared to make a defense if anyone asks you for a reason for hope that is in you. Yet do it with the gentleness and respect. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Ephesians 2, verse 18 and on. And it's over here. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Psalm 33, 20-22. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you.
if you're in the church with a woman, I'm not going to pray that Diana is superior to you because she's not. She is not superior. If you are grieving, I will pray. Come, we are going to pray for you. Zephaniah 3, 7 to 10. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with glad tongues. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Psalm 31, verse 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And Micah 6, verse 8. He will show to you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To love justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. James 1, verse 5. If any of you wants wisdom, let him ask God. He gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might.
Psalm 23, 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is it, its own trouble. First Chronicles 29.11 Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Acts 4, 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Psalm 19.7 The law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 1 Timothy 1.16 But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. 1 Samuel 16.7 But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Hebrews 4.16 let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Ezekiel 36:26. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh.
Corinthians 4.17. But our life and the momentousness of it are exceeding sorrow. And eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Job 19.25-26. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I'll see God. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Matthew 11.28-30 Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalm 86.1 Teach me your ways, Lord, that I may rely on your precepts. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Isaiah 40.9 He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Psalm 91.15-16 When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Joshua 1.1 Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 118.21 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Proverbs 27:17. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. 1 John 3:18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Matthew 1:29. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus he will save his people from their sins. Psalms 25, 4-5 Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. To you I will give beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, 
For without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Before there was anything, there was God, and there was the Word. And the Word is distinctly its own entity, and the Word is God. All things were made through him and by him. The Word holds life and light. He expels the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not ever overcome him. As we read God's Word, as we study John together, I pray that we may believe and live like we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, how it reveals you to us, how it challenges us, how it encourages, how it calls us to live in a way that glorifies you and in a way that lives out what is best. You made all of existence and you know what is best for us and you gave us your word to help guide us in that direction. God, may we be a people of the word, that we would hunger and thirst for it, that we would enjoy it, that we would desire to know you deeper and deeper. God, help us to understand it. And in the times and moments when we don't understand it, in the times and moments when we don't feel like reading it, God, help us, give us the motivation, give us the courage when needed to keep showing up. Because you said if we show up, you said if we come looking, you're going to show up for us. God, give us a desire to know you deeper. And as we know you deeper, give us the strength and the energy and the boldness and the courage to shine brightly as the lights of the world that you have made us to be. We thank you and praise you. Amen.